good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome to Lift Your Spirits Radio. You're listening to my son, Dean Foster, who studies music at Berklee College of Music in Boston. And he's a junior this year now. A junior. A junior. Time is flying by for know, him and for it? us, too, experiencing it, right? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it be night of his flu and ours didn't? <laughs> yeah, he was touring in Canada around the New Year, so that was kind of cool. And Did you get to go and visit him? Uh, not in Canada. I didn't go to Boston. He was supposed to come home, but he, he didn't make it this time because he was oh. touring. So. I'm sure there'll be another time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm supposed to go back in May, so that'll be good. Oh, it'll be great. And he started school on Monday, so he's all excited about his classes. Well, congrats on the New Year. Yeah. And the New Year. And the New Year. Right. <laughs> My name is Kassar Deline, and after overcoming my own health challenges when I was younger, I dedicated my life to educate others to help health options so that they can make the best choices for their lives. I, my background's in herbology, psychology, uh, naturopathy, energy work, and meditation, and you can learn all about me at truehealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. Today, we're lucky to have a good friend of mine, John Case. Oh, thank you for having me. Hi, John. Hi. I'm so happy you could be here. That's wonderful. So, John, you're an addiction specialist. Yes, that's what I do. A musician, musician. and I, I work in addiction. So um, I'm a therapist. I work in patient behavioral health, helping people that uh, struggle with addiction and help them to find a path forward. So how did you get into all that? Wow. So my story is I, I got in the hard way. Um, I had my own struggles with addiction. And when I went to inpatient the second time, oh, wow. right, because it, it doesn't always take the first time. Right. You know, so I went the second time and I, I, I needed a new career path because my journey kind of took everything. So I was starting over from scratch. So while I was at inpatient, uh, I talked to one of the counselors, said, hey, what do, we, what do you need to do to be a counselor? And they laid out the plan for me. You know, it's two years. You got to be sober. You got to get a degree in addiction studies. And so instantly, I started on that path. Right when I got out of treatment, of course, while doing aftercare, the most important component of your recovery yeah. program is working aftercare. And I started going to college and got my degree, did my internship, got my license, and I've been doing that ever since. So almost ten years. So what was that? What's that like? I mean, I'm just thinking if you had your own issues and then now you're going to help others. I mean, well, I have a unique perspective and nobody is going to uh, get anything past me, ah. so to speak. Yeah, um, because I've been there. And, right. and a lot of times when you're when you're working with patients, they can smell it if you have never been down that road. So yeah. I understand what it feels like to be curled up in a ball in pain while you're detoxing I get it and I get the struggles of early recovery and uh, after going through my own journey I have a real good perspective on what to do and also what not to do (laughs) right so so and I can take that and I can use my experience strength and hope and help others to get through that and work on a recovery program well, yeah, it sounds like you're a good role model because you're, you're saying, hey, look, I struggled just like you are. Right. But right. look at what I've been able to do. And you can do it, too. If, if I can do <laughs> it, boy, you can do it, too. Cause I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. <laughs> right. Yeah. I actually had a guy, uh, early recovery. I remember going to a meeting. This guy came up to me. He goes, put his hand on my shoulder. He said, you know, John, 
I've never met anybody too stupid to stay sober, but I met a few that were too smart. Right? And he was patting me on the shoulder and walked away, and I was like going, yeah, right. Wait a minute. He's talking about me. Right? Wow. We can outthink this thing. Absolutely, yeah. and, and sometimes that, that, that overthinking, which is in our nature, because we just overthink everything to death, you know, that, that thinking about it, that can be our Achilles heel because we're thinking that we can outsmart this thing. Right. We're always thinking that there's some way, shape, or form that I can get back to when drinking and doing drugs was fun. Yeah. Right? And that's the tricky part of our brain because we're always thinking somehow, some way, I'm going to be able to manage this thing. You know, and it wasn't until I finally came to the realization that I just can't drink and smoke crack like a gentleman. <laughs> uh, that's right. When I had that epiphany, it's like, I just can't do this. You know, right. and that's what I'm trying to get to is acceptance, right? Mm-hmm. Acceptance of the fact that I can never, ever, ever drink or do drugs again. I just can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm horrible at it. You know, other people can have that casual cocktail, and we call you guys normies, <laughs> and we hate you. We hate you, right? There's people that sit there with a glass of wine and swirling around and looking at the legs, and I'm looking at them going, say, just drink it. <laughs> just drink it. You're killing me with that. Right? Because I don't look at drugs and alcohol like normal people do. Mm-hmm. Right? And I don't know what one drink is. I've never had one drink, ever. So what was it? You, I know we talked about this before when I, when I called you about the show, um, to the first time you had alcohol. Yeah, oh, I vividly remember that experience, that, that drink when I first take that, took that drink, and I was really young, you know, preteen years. And I remembered that warm feeling, you know, going through my body, and then all of a sudden, like this blanket of warmth came over me, and the fear left, and I wasn't nervous anymore, and I felt like I could be my true self. Now I can be my real self because now I'm filled with all this confidence. Mm-hmm. And I felt serenity and peace. All of a sudden, I found my happy place in a can, right? But it was false. Right. Right. So what, what it really was was it was masking these underlying conditions that I had that I needed to work on. And I didn't know it at the time. Of course not. Right. You right, know, right. it's not like when I was young, dad took me out in the woods and said, today, son, we're going to work on coping skills. You know, <laughs> it's not how it went down. It was like, right. shut up, go play with your cousin malaria. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, things were different back then. Too. It was, that was way different. Yeah, dad driving around on the truck with a beer in his legs, you yeah. know, and the cooler was on the, seat while the kids were in the back of the truck doing 65 down i-5 right and it wasn't seen as problematic no back then. it wasn't it wasn't and you you had given me some dates too before about when alcohols alcoholism actually became well right because it was all normalized it was all, it was all normalized, it was all normalized. Yeah. i mean we're going camping and we're drinking everything was we're doing this and we're drinking and there are ads on the tv and you got the marlboro man i mean yeah. back then we didn't look at it as problematic drinking it was just we're just partying and having fun it wasn't until 1956 where alcoholism actually was called a disease a disease and addiction didn't get called a disease until 1987 that's right? amazing right so i mean in all this time it, the, the light is now really getting shined on, like, wow, this could be a problem. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my goodness, 
mental health and addiction are tied together. And this is new. This right. isn't something that happened at the very beginning. Right. You know, this is just now where these two are coming together. So when we do treatment, right, we do, it's dual. You know, we're looking at mental health and addiction at the same time. And it's like the chicken or the egg. Which one came first? We don't know. Right. We got to get rid of the substance, though. Right. That's the first thing we got to do is we got to get stabilized off the substance so we can treat the mental health because you can't treat the mental health. I have right. people coming in saying, yeah, I've been taking antidepressants for years and it's not working. It's like, well, are you drinking while you're taking antidepressants? Well, yeah. <laughs> of course. It's <laughs> like, well, I don't know why it's not working. <laughs> right. So. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And we, we had talked about um, changing perceptions, too. I mean, there's this there's all these. Um, images we have in our minds even especially from tv you know like from um that old show we were talking about you know where it all the westerns and stuff right yeah they're always they always got a drink and a smoke in their hand right and even the old movies in all if you watch old movies every scene someone had a cigarette in their hand it was normal yeah you know and just they we didn't look at it as problematic And, and the way we treated people that were struggling with alcohol I mean, what was that show that uh, that that kid from Happy Days? Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Ron yeah. Howard. Right, that old yeah. show when he was a little yeah, yeah, kid, yeah. yeah, yeah, fishing away. Old Otis is sitting in the jail cell again. Yeah, oh, the Andy Griffith show. Yeah, there Andy you Griffith. go. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for helping me out with the big stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Right. So, and, and Otis is in the jail again. The town drunk, and the it was a drunk. joke. Right. Right. And because that's what we did. Yeah. We incarcerated you. Yeah. And they lock him up. And right. then, so that he wouldn't hurt himself. Well, Otis else. wasn't jacking cars or anything <laughs> bad. So, you know, he was kind of cute and funny. Uh, Big red nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but so it was all different back then. And we didn't look at it as problematic as we do now. So, mm-hmm. so now we look at, you know, the warning signs. And there, there's a lot of early warning signs. But what we look at is interference of functioning. You know, we can't say that all drinking's bad. You know, we can't go around and be this, you know, drink police. That's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. You know, everything in moderation, I think, is fine. But when it comes to interference of functioning, that's what we look at. Is what you're doing interfering with the functioning of your life? Right. And so that's kind of what we look at. And there's warning signs. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a bunch of warning signs. Like if you've ever used alcohol for a measurement of time so give an example of that well you know like i had a lawn big lawn when i lived up in arlington and took four beers to mow the grass (laughs) sometimes i would be going somewhere and i'd have to figure out how many beers it would take me to get there stay there and then get back home so you know it's two beers there two beers back i bring a 12 pack and you gotta play it safe oh my gosh Right? Because if I looked in my fridge and there was four beers, I was out of beer. <laughs> yeah. Because I looked at booze and drugs differently than most people. So. And that's how a lot of people that are have a, are struggling with addiction would look at things then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this applies not just to alcohol, but to other... Well, every, all of it. All of, all it. of it. Yeah. It, it can be any type of addiction. Though the, the drinking, really, I can get the kind of jokes in better. Yeah. Right. I think people see that more, the drinking more than, than yeah. some of the drugs. I don't know. A lot of those, there is shows on uh, TV now that do um, touch on that. What's that one called on HBO? I think it's Euphoria or something like that. Uh, yeah, that is one of them. Yeah. She, I haven't seen that she one does, yet, She does a lot of drugs in that show. And, 
And I know there's others like that, too, where they I don't think they're normalizing it. I mean, they're showing how crappy her life is. Yeah, right? there's a popularity yeah. surrounded, I think, of that. And with the yeah. generations today. That yeah. Experiencing it. There's definitely yeah. more out there than there used to be. Yeah, definitely. So, OK. Yeah. Well, you're listening to True Health with Kassar Deline. Stay tuned and we'll be right back with more on addiction from John Cage. Thank you. Lift your spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You receive a Reiki session plus a chakra reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Feeling the need to get away and reconnect with Mother Nature? Located on Whitby Island, Earth Sanctuary is a peaceful and magical sculpture garden, nature reserve, and retreat center with two miles of nature trails, three bird-filled ponds, and a variety of powerful sacred spaces, including a labyrinth, stone circles, and medicine wheels. Come and enjoy the wonders of nature and experience personal renewal, spiritual growth, and healing today. Visit earthsanctuary.org or the Earth Sanctuary on Facebook for more information. Life is full of challenges and change, including menopause. Been there, done that, and be assured you can thrive, not just survive. Hemp Lily Wellness products can give you the support you need. Imagine sleeping better. I know I sure am. I'm also feeling more at ease throughout my day. Want to reduce those unpredictable sweats? It is possible. How about your youthful skin or relief from discomfort in your body? Hemp Lily is your ally. Hemp Lily offers free consultations and a 100% money back guarantee. Go to HempLily.com. Use code RELIEF at checkout for 25% off your entire order. Visit HempLily.com today. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Thank you for joining us this morning. You're listening to True Health with Kassara Deline on Lift Your Spirits Radio. And today we're talking with addiction specialist John Case. Hello again. Hello again. So can you share with us uh, what the warning signs are for addiction? So the, the warning signs for addiction, you know, um, my journey was, you know, the warning signs were actually really, really early. Um, but my, my addiction really didn't take off until my later years. I always able to kind of keep it together, you know, in the beginning, but there were, there was a lot of warning signs along the way. And I just felt better when I got my buzz on, you know, that's, that seemed to be where I could find my happy place. Cause that's a lot of times what happens with people is, is we use drugs and alcohol, you know, as a coping mechanism you know, to be able to manage difficult emotions gracefully (laughs) because we never really learned how to manage those difficult emotions. And I learned really quick, and your brain learns really quick, that when we get our buzz on, we feel better, right? So a stressful day, 
you come home from work, you're a little jacked, you got to, because life has a lot of moving parts for some of us, right? We got kids, we got jobs, there's significant others, there's all kinds of hobbies, we got this going on, and ah, I get my buzz on, it's like, ah, okay, okay, I can deal with this now. Right. And then your brain learns really quick how to mitigate mental health with substances. Mm-hmm. It learns really quick, so it's going to tell you when you're stressed out. It's going to say, you know what, maybe we should get our buzz on and we can deal with this a lot better. And then it just gradually builds from there because our, our brain starts to create tolerance. Right. And tolerance of that is what takes the whole thing down because it just takes a little bit more. Now I need a little bit more to get the desired effect because my brain goes into defense mode. My brain doesn't like massive amounts of neurotransmitter activity. Our brains actually like... They like homeostasis. Right. They're, your brain's always working, you know, that your your nervous system, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, right? One brings me up, the other one brings me down. They're constantly working together in tandem to create a balance. Absolutely. When I do drugs and alcohol, and, and keep in mind that, that it's not the drugs and the alcohol that get us high. That's not what get us high. The drugs and alcohol is merely a chemical messenger sent to your brain to re- and it's directed to release neurotransmitter activity that already exists in your head. So all those feel-good neurotransmitters, you know, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, adrenaline, right, right, all those things, that already exists up there, which is why, for some of us, we can no longer get our buzz on. Why we drink all night and can never get our buzz on because we deplete our neurotransmitter supply, and we need time to, our body needs time to recharge and restore, and especially for cocaine, anybody out there with cocaine. And pretty soon, you can't get high anymore. You're out of dopamine. Yeah. You're all done, though we keep chasing that dragon. Right, right, you right. Know. But that's what, what happens is tolerance slowly starts to creep in, and people don't realize that that's why we call this cunning, baffling, and powerful, you know, how this progressiveness, the progressive nature of addiction it just slowly builds, and we don't really realize it. You know, like we're walking out in the field, and we don't realize it until we lift our head up and say, oh, my God, how did I get out here? Right. What's happening? Yeah, Has anybody really... seen my job or my car? <laughs> yeah. What but is? It's like, <laughs> it's like they just get sucked down this rabbit hole. Well, you don't realize it because it's slow. And you don't even slow. know you're in there. It's yeah, slow. It's a slow I, process. That yeah. boiling frog thing is just gross, so I'm not going <laughs> to even do that analogy. But my point is it just happens slowly and gradually over time. We don't really realize it until we're so deep in and somebody finally says, dude, you got a problem. Right. And, of course, we instantly go into denial. It's like, Absolutely. no, I don't. Yeah. I can manage this thing. And this is the crazy part about addiction is we always think we can figure out a way to manage it, control it. Yeah. So there's a the key word. <clears throat> so whenever you're trying to control something, that means it's out of control. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. But it's and, like it's like but, that, too. And, and I think um, I remember one of the big lessons I learned when I got my master's in psychology was uh, make sure that you're not helping people um, perfect their neurosis. Right. You know. Yeah. And I, that was a big message for me to, you know, make sure when you're, you're helping people that you're not just helping them down that rabbit hole, you know, because right. people will do that. They're smart. They're oh, yeah. really smart. And they're really sometimes too smart. Sometimes too smart, yeah. yeah. And so this sounds really similar in that in that you know you've got to wake them up to a certain extent in some way, shape, or form. But you also have to remove the problem. Right. A, a lot of it is what what I like to do is I like to give awareness, right? Because I think knowledge is power. 
Absolutely. I think the more you understand what's going on, because that is the crazy thing about addiction, is you don't know what you don't know. Right. And you don't know what's going on. And sometimes you, we think we're going crazy. I think I'm losing my mind because I'm trying to stop drinking. I'm trying to stop doing drugs, but I can't. And this has always worked before, so why is it not working now? Right. Yeah. And there can be, but they don't know what's happening right. in their brain. Right. They don't know the progressive nature and they don't understand how the drinking and doing drugs is actually changing the substructures of their brain. It's changing the way their brain processes information. So how come people can't just quit on their own? Right. I love those people. I, re I remember somebody coming up and I was like, man, I'm really struggling. And they were like, well, why don't you just stop? And I was like, oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> Duh. Why didn't I think of that? Because I couldn't. Right. It was this, you know, obsessive because addiction lives in the deepest recesses of our brain, which I call the caveman brain. Some people call it the triune brain, right, where you got the reptilian mammalian brain. Yeah, yeah. And then ooh, the thinking part of our brain, right, the, the prefrontal cortex, the one that left town because <laughs> nobody did the stuff I was doing and actually thought about it. Right. You know, so those warning signs, if you've ever been lifting a drink to your mouth and in your mind you're going, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> this is going to go so bad. Right. That's a huge warning sign. That's the last grasp of your thinking part of your brain saying, stop. No. Right. Right. But the, that addiction lives in that most powerful part of our brain, that caveman brain, mm -hmm. where it's just instinctual drive. And it basically puts alcohol and drugs into survival that's part of i need this to survive and a lot of that is not untrue because i need right. it to survive these difficult emotions that i have no idea how to manage yeah and we had talked about that earlier too about how and i i find this not i don't work with addicts obviously but um that most of the people that are suffering from addiction have been abused sexually abused Absolutely. emotionally abused Absolutely. Yeah, it's a huge problem. There's a lot of stuff in our past. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and people have got it so buried that they can't, they right. don't even know it's there. Right. We do. We do that. We, we box it up and we hide it in yep. the deepest recesses. Yep. So I always tell people that there might be some boxes back there. Don't open it. <laughs> right? right. Not until you get surrounded by a sober support system, which can consist of a therapist. Mm -hmm. or a, an addiction therapist, mental health therapist, a psychiatrist, you know, some type of sober support. And then we slowly start unboxing it, but we got to get rid of the substance first. Yeah. We yeah. don't even want to take a look at that. I, I call it triage when they come into the inpatient facility. I'm not going to fix that, mm -hmm. but I'm going to wrap it up really good. I'm going to make sure that we address it. Don't want to get any more infected. We're going to take a look at that, just not today. Right, yeah. But that's why aftercare is so important. Because we just start this journey. 28 days in an inpatient facility, that's just long enough to slowly get your head kind of clear. Right. And But making a solid path forward. So the most important part of being an inpatient is developing that discharge plan. It's like we've identified that thing. Because that's why you come to inpatient. We need to figure out that thing. What is that thing? There is something. Right. In some this individual's world that isn't right that they don't like. Mm -hmm. There's something going on, and we're putting drugs and alcohol on top of it to help so we can manage and get through our life with all those moving parts. Yeah, they feel disempowered some way, and this is the only thing that 
they can grasp hold of. Well, they have control of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They can control it for a while. And that's while, the maddening yeah. thing. And then, but the progressive nature is, is just, it's inevitable that pretty soon, because it's not sustainable. Right. Using drugs and alcohol to mitigate mental health is not sustainable. Right. It works in the beginning. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but after a while, it just, it's tough. I think, working. I think um, even some of the medications, I think people are the same thing, build up tolerance to that. Too. I've seen yeah. that as well. And um, I see probably more of that. Um, but, I wanted to talk about, um, uh, we talked about anxiety and depression yeah. and just coping skills. When, you, when you're in the center there, in, and do you, I'm assuming you help people define what anxiety really is, what Absolutely. depression really is. Absolutely. When, um, at North Point Recovery, where I'm at, we use dialectical behavioral therapy, which is, it's, it's wonderful. It's mm-hmm. a great, great tool. You know, when we look at... Uh, Mindfulness, emotion regulation, distress tolerance, and interpersonal effectiveness, those four modules. And they're big modules. So each week we do a module. So the first week is going to be mindfulness. Then we'll do emotion regulation. So when we're looking at mindfulness, right, what, what's mindfulness? Like being in the present moment without judgment. And I call it being where my feet are at. If my feet are here, I need to be here. Not worrying about the past, the shouldas, the wouldas, the couldas, and not future tripping about, no, be right here, right now, in this moment, mm-hmm. right? And emotion regulation. I need to put a regulator valve on these emotions. I got to get that parasitic and sympathetic, whatever that is. Yeah. But, you know, I got to get that up and down thing figured out because those extreme highs and those extreme lows, I need to figure out a way to do that, regulate my emotions, right? And we incorporate coping skills, mm-hmm. distress tolerance. How do I handle distress? When something really bad happens in my world, how do I respond to it? What's an example of a coping skill, just for listeners? So a coping skill is anything that's going to distract you or help you get out of a distressful moment. Because that's basically what we need. A lot of times, especially in early recovery, coping skills are so important, is we'll go through moments where we can get the craving comes and then we feel extreme anxiety because of such a strong, strong feeling. And sometimes feelings of hopelessness that I'll never get better. So... I'm just trying to get from that moment, clear my head so I can be calm and focused so I can come up with a plan forward. So whatever happened that gave me that angst, right? Mm -hmm. I need to calm down so I can come up with a plan. So coping skills, it could be anything, right? And anything that engages that, that task positive mode part of my brain. So music yeah, I gotta get my plug in for music. <laughs> music is a wonderful coping skill, whether you play an instrument or not. You know, for for me, um, I'm a musician and I do therapeutic music group, mm-hmm. and I play locally and I play at assisted living facilities, and and it's it's very interactive. So for for me, playing music is a great release. It's a great coping skill. If you don't play an instrument, that's fine. Listening to music is a great coping skill, right? Because it. it Music just has a wonderful way of, of yeah. changing the way we're thinking in the moment. Music can take you back. Music can actually give you sense of taste and smell. Yeah, you yeah. can hear a song and you can remember being on the beach. You know? Right. So it has a way of tapping into a different part of your brain and distracting that crazy little caveman. Yeah. You know, just long enough to get past that craving moment, past that angst, so I can come up with a plan. Okay, wow, that was a close one. Yeah. I got out of the coping <laughs> skill, right? But then yeah. I'm going to come up with a plan. Maybe I sh- next time that happens, maybe I should reach out and call somebody. I know. It's, I it's kind of a weird phenomenon. You know, I think I've t- 
talk to a lot of my friends who it's like when you're really sad, you listen to sad songs. And when you're really happy, you listen to happy songs. And it's like something about that. When you listen to that sad song, you can connect with it. You can experience the sadness. And then you can move beyond it. You don't have to carry it around with you anymore. It's therapeutic. It's kind of crazy. We need that kind of release. You know, walking. You You get walking the dog, exercising. People come into the treatment center, and we actually take them to the gym every day, uh-huh. you know, Monday through Friday, because exercise is a huge oh, part yeah. of working a recovery program. We need to get the body functioning again, yeah. getting oxygen in, getting good food in. Yeah, nutrition's huge. I know um, I work a lot. When I had my store, my health food store, people yeah. would come in all the time, and we would talk about, you know, what kind of nutrition or how are they eating? A lot mm-hmm. of people, I was talking to somebody there, they're like, oh yeah, I just don't really eat. And I'm like, well, how do you expect right. your body to get nutrients right. to right. fix anything? Because it takes, you know, resources for your body to pull from to, to go and repair tissue in your body. Absolutely. And if your buckets are empty, your nutritional buckets are empty, yeah. and it's the, not going to happen. <laughs> and the brain needs yeah. certain nutrition. It needs, yeah. because we're, we're not going to fix those narrow pathways. We're going to rebuild new ones. Yeah. And you yeah. can't do that if you don't have You the, can't do that. Yeah. And yeah, those right. old pathways, right. they just lay dormant, mm-hmm. which is why recovery is so tricky because those old pathways, they just lay dormant and they just wait until that first drink. And once you take that, if you've had some abstinence for a little while and you take that first drink instantly, whoa, yeah. <laughs> turns on the machine. It's like my brain goes, oh, heck yeah, I remember this. Yeah. You know, yeah. it'd be fun now. Let's get some cocaine. <laughs> right? It's like, boom, oh. The brain comes alive. So coping skills is a huge part of the recovery process. When I say recovery, I'm looking at that process of change where we improve our health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and strive to reach our full potential. When when we talk about working a recovery program, those are the components, Mm -hmm. right? And so improving our health and wellness, that's pretty, not only our physical health, but but our mental health. So, I mean, I tell people, I say, you can get out a piece of paper. Right? I just put it right atop. I'm going to improve my health and wellness. How? Yeah, what's that going to look like? Right? So yeah. physically, what am I going to do? Exercise, diet, sleep. 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 That's a big one, yeah. so important. Yeah, a lot of people don't sleep, and they think that yeah. if they drink, it'll just help them to sleep. <laughs> well, a lot of people drink to sleep. Yeah, a lot exactly. Of people, a lot of people come in, and yeah. I, I was one of them. I could not sleep if yeah. I didn't drink, and I kept some vodka by the bed in case I woke up. Wow. And a lot of that was because I couldn't turn my head off. Yeah. Right. When I laid down. Didn't have down, those coping mechanisms. I didn't have any coping. My coping yeah. skills was drugs and alcohol, and it stopped working. Yeah. Right. So I had to constantly drown these things. And what would happen is when I'd lay down, my head was all <laughs> and yeah. turn on and start spinning. And the crazy thing is, it never showed me my greatest hits. It never was like, hey, John, here's all the great stuff you did today. Check this one out. No, it was like, this is all the dumb stuff you did. Here, rewind it. Here, let's watch that one again. Boy, that was dumb. Oh, my gosh. You know, so, and we yeah. call that being up in our head. Yeah, right? well, and you're just beating we yourself get up, in our up head over and over. And people can't sleep because yeah. they're up in their head. But there is sleep meditation. There, But, but we got to get to the issue. Yeah. We got to peel the layers of that dude back to find out what is that thing that keeps yeah. tripping us Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Right. And now we we've now that we identify what is that thing, and it's going to be different for everybody. But yeah, yeah. You know, the common theme is is just struggle to deal with challenging emotions because mm-hmm. we've never learned the skills of how yeah. to deal. Yeah, it, it. it's sad that the society doesn't talk about the positive coping skills. I mean, I think some of that more of that's coming out now, but. 
Um, the stigma of mental health is start. It's yeah. still don't. It's still it's there still a there, little yeah, bit. Absolutely. But the stigma of of anxiety and depression. You got people coming out and go, man, I'm a manic depressive, and you're like, oh my god, you're kidding me. Yeah. I I would never know that because we hide. Yeah, everything. hide that all behind. Yeah. I hid my drinking. Can yeah. you believe that? <laughs> I hid my vodka in the garage. I remember just just going out to the garage to see if I got gas for the mower. <laughs> you know, I felt a need to announce it to the room too yeah. as I was going out because that's where I kept my vodka. Yeah. <laughs> right, and then we're hiding our drinking. Well, we hide our emotions too. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want you, and you know, and nobody's fine, by the way. Yeah. Right. I remember people say, "How you doing? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm good. I'm fine." <laughs> it's like nobody's fine. Right. right? So I didn't want to tell you. I yeah. didn't want you to know. It's what embarrassing. I was going to. Yeah, but I didn't want you because you might tell me to stop drinking. That's right. And I didn't want to stop drinking. That was the thing. When I went to treatment the first time, I didn't want to stop drinking. I, take, I just wanted all that bad stuff to stop happening. Yeah, don't take my don't take my coping mechanism away. Right, this is all I got. <laughs> it's all I got. So, yeah. anyway, but, you know, there's there's little signs, you know, like if you ever wake up in the morning, pick up your phone and look at your text messages and go, oh, no. Okay, that's a warning sign. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, people get stuck in that. Um, I know um, I've talked to friends about this before. You know, people, they enjoy talking about their problems. They mm. enjoy talking. And it's like they just make them worse by talking about them right. sometimes. I, I call that, I got to sit in my poopy diaper. I'm going <laughs> to grind it into the chair because I feel sorry for myself because I can't drink and smoke crack with everybody. <laughs> Mommy. Yeah. I know that sounds like, you know, call me a wambulance. But yeah. that's the whole thing is I just, I was feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. And people get stuck in that. So when being bet. in that poor me is so easy. Yeah, it's so totally. easy to play the victim. Totally. Um, it's so disempowering. But once you get out of that and you become more powerful right. and you're able to show, you know, the world who you really are. Um, and a lot of the, um, I know the work that you do does that. And the, and especially with your music, which we're going to yeah. touch on. The next oh, yeah. Hopefully we can do some. I can't wait. You I'm going to have you play something for yeah. us. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I think that um, uh, all of these, this is so important for people to hear about addiction because some people don't realize, they don't even know they're an addict. Maybe, you know, they don't have a clue. Right. Because it's so buried or they have somebody in their life that has this problem, but they don't even, they know something's wrong, but they don't know how to label it, right? Exactly. And a lot of times we don't want, we don't know what to do. And when we, sometimes people are actually enabling. Right, absolutely. And they, and, but they have no idea. Absolutely. You know, we call it codependency, right? right? And there's a whole thing we do on codependency at yes. the treatment center. That's a whole that's a whole class. That's a whole class. It's actually yeah. a whole thing. It is a whole thing, yeah. Coda. I've been to those classes. Right. <laughs> I had somebody in my life at one point that was an addict. <laughs> and so they went to the uh, to the addict section and I went right. to the codependent section, not right. realizing, you know, I had no idea. I didn't right. even know about any know. of that stuff. Of course not. You yeah. don't know what you don't know. Yeah, exactly. You know? So knowledge is power. So gaining yeah. awareness, I think, is yeah. key. I learned a lot of interesting things at that because we talked about, you know, always keeping your keys in the same place so you don't lose them. Right. Always, you know, certain things that just behaviors that make life simpler. Right. So then you don't have to worry about having problems as much. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I never would have thought about that. You know, I just threw my keys wherever, you know, right. then, but then you can't find them and then you're stressed, right? So then you take a drink, right? right. So, yeah. Okay, great. Well, um, uh, you're listening to True Health with Cassara Deline and stay tuned. We'll be right back with more on addiction with John Case and we're going to hear some music. We are. Yay. So let's start where we left off because your smiles and golden eyes lay waste to the darkest times, I swear.
my name is Sharon Maureen, the owner of Twin Peaks Nutrition and Wellness in North Bend, Washington. I am a life coach, mentor, and I am the creatrix of the Solation System, looking at nutrition, offering tools, techniques, and routines to help women thrive through challenges and change. I offer decades of expertise as an herbalist, fitness coach, and health enthusiast. I can customize a program uniquely for you, expanding your inner strength, wisdom, and resiliency through small, daily commitments to yourself. Reach out to me today at SharonMarine.com. Are you in need of some self-rejuvenation? Give yourself the gift of relaxation and better health. The Energy Genesis is a safe 360-degree healing chamber that uses a pleasant combination of light and sound frequencies to create a resonance of peace and tranquility. Within minutes, your body eases into a deep state of rest and begins to gently heal and reconnect. To learn more about Energy Genesis Therapy and all of its benefits, visit their website at tanyaswan.com. Are your medical expenses increasing, but your health is not improving? True Health offers unique services where Kasara empowers clients with intuition, education, and proven resources. Better choices can be made when information is available. Now's the time to visit truehealth.com. That's T-R-U health.com. And schedule your appointment to achieve your health goals. Your body will thank you. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 a.m. KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries, you can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Talk radio for the heart and soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Listening to True Health by Kassara Deline on Lift Your Spirits Radio, and we just heard John Case playing. Guitar. That was me. That was you. That was a song you wrote, right? It is. It's a song I wrote. Very beautiful. Thank Very you. Beautiful. Thank you. And we're talking about addiction. Yes. And what does recovery from addiction look like? Recovery. So, recovery is, I look at that as the process of change where we improve our health and wellness, live a self derived self-directed life and strive to reach our full potential so looking at that and I, we talked about it a little bit before but but looking at improving my health and wellness physical mental health and wellness living a self-directed life nobody's got to tell me what to do and what yeah. to do with it right right this is a make it happen program you know there's three kinds of people there's people that make things happen there's people that watch things happen then there's people that wonder what, what happened? Ha- what happened? <laughs> what ha- there's something happening. This is not that problem. Right, right. You got to make this thing happen. 
you know, happy is not just going to show up on your doorstep and say, hey, want to come out and play. Mm-hmm. We need to make that happen. And we do that by living a self-directed life, making schedules, making appointments, making things happen, mm-hmm. reaching out to people, making those connections. Yeah, right? that's hard for some people because they, they get, um, I mean, I see that too with clients where they just, they're like, they, they're stuck. Well, isolating is familiar. Yes. And anything familiar, right? And that's what I try and tell people is we need to learn how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Yeah. Because early recovery is very uncomfortable because it's not normal. Right. I knew how to be a drug addict and an alcoholic. I right. knew how to do that because I did it for decades. But what I didn't know how to do is how to live life sober. Ah, scared the heck out of me. I had no idea and and all this fear of the unknown because I didn't know what that looked like. And I didn't want to trust anybody. You know, somebody tells you, we need to do this and do that. I was like, oh, scary, scary, scary. I'm not doing it. When I would think that every little thing you do, no matter how small and insignificant, was a big deal. It's huge, yeah. Yeah. We just, it's it's slow. That's why when when I tell people how do we do early recovery, Keep your world small. Mm-hmm. When we were drinking and drugging, life had a lot of moving parts. We were shaking and baking and moving. And I got this going on. The kids, I got work, I got school, whatever. Uh, got all these balls in the air. Right. And But d- drinking and drugging was intermixed in between that. Yeah. Right. So we're juggling all this stuff. Okay, now I come into treatment. I stop everything. Everything in the world needs to stop, and we need to focus on one thing right now, and that's you, mm-hmm. which a lot of people, well, that's so selfish of me. Yeah. Well, it's time to get selfish. Yeah. Right? Self first, always. 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 Our, our recovery needs to come first in our life before everything, yeah. because if we can't keep that together, everything else is gone. It's just like on the airplane. You have to put your mask on before you can right? help somebody else. So right? you got to help yourself, and you do that like coming into the treatment center, learning how to work a recovery program where we improve our health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and now we're going to strive to reach our full potential because we've lost our sense of belonging, sense of purpose, sense of focus. When I was drinking and drugging, I had a sense of purpose, direction, and focus, and that was, <laughs> where can I get some more of that? Yeah. Right? What is my... I had to make sure I had enough booze. I had, had enough drugs. Right. It's exhausting being an alcoholic yeah. and a think, drug addict. Think about all the... To me, I, I look at it you know, from a third party, not... Not being an addict. Right. I'm what, I'm what you're normie. You're, a, <laughs> I'm you're a, normie. a normie. And no, I don't like you. Thanks. <laughs> Not a problem. So, uh, <laughs> so the point is, though, that um, I, um, uh, now I forgot what I was talking <laughs> about. <laughs> you know, it's funny because the, the way our mind works, see, I didn't trust people that didn't drink. Yeah. Somebody would come over to the house. I remember my wife would bring someone over to the house and say, this is Sherry and Ted. And I was we can I get you a beer? And he's like, No, I'm good. And I was like, Whoa, okay. You can't Wait trust a, him. Hold on. What's going? What's wrong with this guy? She'd ask me. So what'd you think of Ted? And I said, I don't like him. He don't drink. Yeah. I don't trust him. Right? It's just, we got this weird mental thing going on when it comes to drugs and alcohol. We're just we're we're geared differently. Yes. You know when it when it comes to that. And those those are some of the warning signs. Right. Again, back to warning signs. Like, if you've ever been at a child's lemonade stand, tested the product, and said out loud, this would be good with vodka. (laughs) That's probably a warning sign. That's a warning sign. (laughs) 
You, you, everybody knows the, the people, they'd be good with vodka, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Not everybody says that out loud, but we do. Right, Because right, right. we think everything tastes good with vodka. Right, right. So on the, in the recovery groups, you mm-hmm. do, you have um, people, you help people get off, and that requires a lot of work with all the medical facility and... Yeah, it's really important, inpatient, if, if you think you, you have an issue, right, and it's to the point where it's really interfering with your functioning... It's so important to go to inpatient, you know, we'll talk to somebody, right? Talk to somebody and see at what level you're at. But, but if, if you need to drink in the morning, <laughs> right, if you need to drink to stop shaking, because detoxing from alcohol especially, it, it's dangerous. It's fatal, mm-hmm. right? You can have a seizure. And we actually tell people, they call us on the phone that can't get into treatment. We say, well, don't stop drinking. Right. Just drink enough so you don't feel sick. Right, because your body has been become physically dependent on alcohol in order to survive. So it's so important that we do the inpatient treatment so we can safely detox, so we can get down to those underlying issues. Mm-hmm. And we identify that thing so we can come up with a plan to deal with it. Because so many times we're just looking for our happy place. Right. Right. Yeah. So and so, how can people, if, if they think they have a problem or they see a friend that might have a problem, what should they do? Well, you can reach out. I can tell you right now, of course, you know, I'm going to talk about North Point because <laughs> I, it's work. a wonderful facility. But not only that is our admissions team. You can call our admission team anytime, 24-7. There will be somebody to answer the phone to help you navigate this process of getting into treatment. And it's not necessarily going to be with North Point. Of course, we'd love to have you come to North Point. We have a bunch of facilities. You can check us out. You know, you just type in North Point Recovery on your Google search. Up will come all our facilities and and where we're at. But there will be somebody to help navigate the process and help you find a facility that will take your insurance, even if it's not with us, right. we're going to help get you to a safe place because we want you to be safe. That's great. Right. And so, I mean, I have their phone number, 425-532-5853. So, and then if people are interested in having you, um, we're going to have you play a song. Yeah. Excited about. Um, That'd be wonderful. Yeah. So, um you have a Facebook page and you have an email people can get. I do. It. So if you want to reach out to me, uh, my email is jmbcase at comcast.net. So John Michael Boy Case at comcast.net. Or the, my Facebook page, which is just all that blah, 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 Facebook slash John Case. Right. And you have recordings on there so people yeah. can see. Yeah, there's some, there's some recordings, some live stuff. and Great. You're going to give us some information on coping skills? Right. So, I mean, we, we talked about working a recovery program, right? And that the process changed where we improve our health and wellness, live a self-directed life, strive to reach our full potential. And so when, when we're doing that, the first thing that we do, you know, right off the bat when you get to North Point, we start working on a discharge plan. I know it sounds crazy to people when they first get there. It's like, wow, discharge planning right now? It's like, absolutely, this is the most important component because that gives us an, uh, a chance to identify that thing 
come up with the plan. What is the thing and what can I do about the thing? And we, we do use coping skills. Journaling is a great coping skill because it gets all that information that's swimming around up our head, gets it down on a piece of paper. So now I can make a plan to deal with it. So and they don't have thing? to carry it around in your head anymore Right, either. don't carry it. <laughs> Write it down. Maybe talk to somebody about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Put it in the right you know? perspective, right? And, and, but be able to look at it and then make a plan, you know, to deal with it. And so yeah. the coping skills, learning, learning how to manage difficult emotions gracefully because we can't get rid of emotion. Right. right? You don't want to do You're that. You're a human being. You're right. going to have emotions. You got <laughs> to have emotion. Anxiety is a great motivator. Yeah. You know, but having the rational amount of anxiety is what we're looking for. Well, and using it as a tool to help you. Absolutely. It's a great tool. Yeah. So making a relapse prevention program is a huge part. Early recovery is really slippery. Right. It's, it's so difficult. That's why so many people relapse. Right. So we need a good, solid plan. What do we do? We talk about the, you know, we love our acronyms, right? HALT. Yes. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yes. You know, if you're hungry, eat something. If you're angry, let's sit down and deal with it. Yeah. If you're lonely, reach out and be with somebody. If you're tired, go to bed. That's right. Yeah. Right. So adequate sleep. So all those things and that, that kind of touches on nutrition and eating mm-hmm. and, and just physical wellness. Because if we're not physical well, we can't be emotionally well. Yeah. So we need to get physically well. It's so amazing to me how, how people just hold on to all of this and they are so, you know, it, it limits them. It holds them down. It's like this huge weight. Right. And they have no idea how powerful they really are. And they don't realize all the energy it takes to hold on to this. Right. And and it, and letting it go, they can't. you can't just let it go all at once, right? You, it takes time. Right. Well, we, we use the word struggle, right? When, when we say somebody's struggling with addiction, what does struggle really mean, right? It's just applying energy to get free of, if you look at the definition, right? right. So I'm applying energy. So when I'm working a recovery program and I'm struggling with difficult emotions, I need to pl- apply more energy than the energy of the difficult emotion is giving me. Because difficult emotions can exert massive amounts of energy they can be immobilizing fear can paralyze right you. yeah stress can kill you yes right and absolutely. give you heart disease absolutely right so there's a lot of energy in negative difficult mm-hmm. emotions so i need to apply an equal greater than force while i struggle with that and i do that through coping skills you know working music. a recovery program <laughs> yeah i do with music right <laughs> I think music is easy for a lot of people because they can always turn on the radio or put on a absolutely song or on their phone. You know, people can use. And then the whole idea behind that is so I can refocus, get back to my plan, get back to my journal because I need to look at what do you want, what are you doing, how's that working for you. So that that's kind of you know working a discharge plan, having a real good recovery plan. That's what we do. That's what I like to do with folks is get them very very prepared. So when they leave, they have a real good idea of where they're going, where they're doing it, who they're living with. The tools are... All the tools are are there, but the resources is the main thing. Because you're only going to get so much in 28 days. But here's all the resources for you to go out and make this happen by living a self-directed life. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, John, for joining us today. Please remind the listeners how they can get a hold of you. Yeah. So it's JMB. C-A-S-E at Comcast.net or you can go to my Facebook page which is that big long Facebook thing backslash John Case. Great. You're listening to True Health by Kassara on Lift Your Spirits Radio. This is Kassara Deline and you can reach me at 
truehealth.com. That's T-R-U-Health.com. Thank you so much for joining us this month, and we hope to see you again next month. And John's going to play a song for us. Wonderful. Well, I didn't go to college, I barely finished high school. I learned a few things and I got a few rules. Don't fix it if it ain't broke. And you can't have a fire without making some smoke. Don't throw it away if it looks half bad. Mm, Just put some duct tape on that. Now I saw my house with some my car. I even got some on this old guitar. It's a testament of redneck technology. Now my wife says there's something wrong with me. And some of you know what I'm talking about. When and down with the duct tape out. I'm a duct tape man. Yeah, I fix whatever I can. Some folks don't understand that it's a one-stop construction plan. Well, I'm a duct tape man. Stand up and give it a hand. I said, laugh if you want. I don't give a damn. Mm, baby, I'm your duct tape man. Mm-hmm. Now that song on the mic, it's all over the stage. All the great ones use it, from Merle Haggard to Jimmy Page. It's a roll of wonder, a marvelous science. It's hillbilly engineering at its finest. Now my daddy used it. And his daddy too They can fix a broken airplane Or an old pair of shoes I'm your duct tape man Ooh, I fix whatever I can Yeah, some of don't understand It's a one-stop construction plan well, I'm a duct tape man Ooh, Stand up and give it a hand came in flesh tone, I'd put some on my wife. It's my favorite colors are silver and black. Yeah, but you can paint it too. I can vouch for that. Don't give me no nails, no screws or no glue. Just a roll of that duct tape blues. I'm your duct tape man. I'll fix whatever I can. Some folks on it's a one-stop construction plan. Well, I'm a duct tape man. Stand up and give it a hand. I say no laugh if you want. I don't give a damn.
Oh, I'm a dirty man. Oh, I'm a dirty man.